So this is what you get when you combine a group of Tejanos, Texans, uh, with a variety of, of background music and uh, cashing in on an opportunity. And the opportunity was creating this super group called Texas Tornadoes. It includes Doug, Doug Soms, who was the founder of the Texas Tornadoes, uh, Augie Meyer, the keyboardist, Freddie Fender, already famous for his country western music and Spanish uh, western music, and of course the infamous Flaco Jimenez because of his ability to play an accordion like nobody else. Wonderful tune. Hey Baby Que Paso, you can find it on iTunes, check out their videos on uh, YouTube. Dog Sum's uh, story is incredibly uh, great. I had the privilege of uh, writing uh, uh, a piece on it after he passed away. And uh, let me tell you, the Texas Tornadoes is uh, without a doubt uh, a, a true symbol of Chicanismo, of, of, of um, being Mexican-American in the United States. Good Wednesday to you. My name is Adrian Perez. I am your host here at Coast to Coast Latino. I want to thank you for joining me today. We are sponsored by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community. We're also sponsored by U-Haul, for your moving and storage needs, contact U-Haul. And we're also sponsored by OIC Tax Services. OIC are experts in dealing with the IRS. So if you find yourself in trouble with the IRS, contact OIC at OIC.com. We have uh, a very interesting situation that has occurred since last Friday when... Uh, we broadcast our, our last Coast-to-Coast uh, -coast Latino episode. Uh, Joe Biden has been named the president-elect, and Kamala Harris has been named the vice president-elect. Kamala Harris, of course, is setting new trends. All of a sudden, it's a female who is who has become the most powerful female in the United States for the first time in US history. In addition to that, uh, she's African-American, she's Indian, Asian, and uh, uh, and she's, uh, you know, the daughter of immigrants. So uh, by all means, she has set standards really, really high, and we know that it's the first of its kind. In uh, looking at preliminary data regarding the vote, Americans voted in huge numbers. 150 million votes were cast. It, it is, in fact, a record for the United States. Uh, Donald Trump received approximately 71 million votes. And uh, Joe Biden, without a doubt, surpassed. 75 million votes so obviously he won the popular vote 
But the most important vote are the electoral votes. There are 270 of those. And uh, based on all projections right now, uh, Joe Biden has won the presidency by 290 electoral votes versus uh, Donald Trump's 214. And uh, uh, as we all knew, Donald Trump was not going to leave office. He has not conceded. And up to this day, he's still challenging the legitimacy of the votes, even though so far all the states are reporting the same thing, including Republican states that are saying, look, it was an honest election. It was an effective election. We have no fraud, but yet Donald Trump is claiming that there's fraud. He has asked his attorney general to pursue any fraud. But what's interesting is the letter that the attorney general sent out to all the attorney generals from every state, and that is, <clears throat> the letter pretty much says, if you find some type of proof, you can look into it further. And uh, when you read the letter, you'll find that it is it is essentially a cop out on behalf of of uh, of Barr. Uh, he understands that by pursuing false claims, he is risking his license as an attorney. In fact, all of Donald Trump's attorneys are starting to really back down from these lawsuits uh, because they know that they too will be reviewed by uh, different bar associations across the U.S., and uh, there's nothing worse for an attorney than to be disbarred, by the way. And uh, by uh, uh, conducting efforts to usurp the American election process, man, you got to have some big cojones to be able to go out there and tell people that you have found evidence, especially after states have been able to prove that there is no evidence. But from the looks of things, Georgia announced that uh, Biden has widened his uh, his vote uh, count by 14,000 votes. And uh, if this continues, and uh, they are going to do a recount, but if this continues, it is going to be for the first time since 1992 that Georgia has voted blue. And uh, that's pretty significant when you consider that Georgia, of course, is in the heart of the South, and the South is known to be uh, red states, uh, almost all red states. But, you know, when you look at Georgia and you look at who his, has been heading up the, uh, the uh, uh, Democrat vote, you know, it is an African-American female a very powerful African-American female. And by the way, Georgia, uh, not to sidetrack too much, but Georgia also has two Senate runoffs that are going to be happening in, in January. Uh, if the Senate runoffs go the way that a lot of people think are going to go, that is going to put Democrats at a one-seat one advantage in the U.S. Senate.
So that means that McConnell and Graham and all the other uh, uh, Trump supporters uh, will have little, if any, say so on a lot of things. And uh, <clears throat> it's also uh, it's also very interesting, by the way, to see how uh, this same group has just jumped on board with Donald Trump uh, with the idea that perhaps there was some kind of fraud without understanding their claims fully. Because if they're claiming that there is fraud and that every state ought to look at the potential for fraud, well, guess what? A lot of those senators that got elected by a small margin, uh, Republican senators, uh, their vote is also at risk because if there is fraud that's determined, that means the whole election has to take place again. Okay? So, so they risk having Republicans get wiped out. Uh, now, they're not really going to support the lawsuits. They're saying that Donald Trump has a right to, to do these lawsuits. But they're not really coming out and saying we support it. And the reason they're doing that is because they're afraid that they're going to lose the two Senate seats in Georgia. And I hope you're getting all this right, because I know it can be extremely confusing. But let me tell you, when you're in politics and you understand fully understand politics, it is, in fact, a, a game. It is a chess game, a very powerful chess game, uh, multi-level at that. And it's not... It's not as easy as as we would like it all to be because elections themselves are based on a variety of strategies, including uh, marketing uh, and advertising, as well as uh, uh, groundwork, lots and lots of groundwork. And unless a campaign has an effective campaign manager that understands those things, uh, the campaigns have lost and we've seen it especially in local levels where we have a lot of amateurs running for the first time like school boards and like city councils uh, they don't understand that they really need a strong campaign manager but the best example that I can give you to understand just how important it is to have a strong campaign manager is to look at Donald Trump Donald Trump has made a decision that he is his own campaign manager. He did his own marketing, his own strategies. And because of that, it's cost him the election. Because of that, he is no longer going to be an individual who can look at an additional four-year term. It's over. It's over for him. He's got two months on January 20th when uh, when uh, uh, Joe Biden is sworn in, uh, Donald Trump has to leave the White uh, House. And in addition to that, he may go out as an individual that was the least respected, especially in his last year. Uh, there are a lot of things that are going to be undone that he did, including uh, uh, excluding us from the world. I mean, he broke ties with many of our allies across the world, uh, including Europe and Asia. 
uh, he has actually put us in an awkward situation with China. And by the way, China is not only an economic power, they are still a very powerful military state. And they could compete against the U.S. any day of the week. And instead, he, uh, Donald Trump aligned himself with the uh, former Soviet Union, Russia. And Russia today has little or no economic ability to challenge the U.S. And they also don't have the military strength that they once carried. So our biggest enemy or ally could be China. And, and it's, it's all perspective. See, the unique thing about the Chinese is that they've discovered the secret to America. And the secret to America is, in fact, our capitalistic uh, uh, economic views compared to the rest of the world. I mean, if you look at all the uh, different uh, countries that are run by socialists, they're all failing. They have little or no economic or military power and right now their people are are starving you know they don't have foods in the groceries and groceries in their stores in their supermarkets uh uh and many of those uh countries have really extreme high crime rates so bad that people from those countries have been seeking Asylum in other countries, in uh, in uh, Europe, for example, we see it from the Middle East. Middle Eastern people risking their lives, going through the Red Sea, and finding themselves in Greece or in Italy or somewhere where they hope they can get asylum. In the Americas, we have people from Central and South America who've been literally walking from their country to the border of the United States to try to seek asylum, to try to seek protection from the crimes and the famine that are now happening in these socialist countries. So for those of you who have thought, well, you know what, maybe socialism isn't a bad idea. Let me tell you, socialism is a horrible idea, and all you need to do is look at all the countries that are currently suffering and the level that they're currently suffering at. So capitalism is the secret, and China has discovered that. Even though they're a communist country, if you look and see how they actually operate, they operate like a capitalist country. They don't operate as a full-fledged communist country. Their government uh, style is still communist, but their economy is definitely capitalist. Uh, their lesson was Hong Kong. When they took over Hong Kong, they, they saw the success of Hong Kong. They saw the, the, uh, the power that they could create economically. And so all they did was they took Hong Kong, which belongs to them, and they duplicated that on a national level. And so China has now become a very powerful economic competitor of the United States. For us to be able to 
compete in this world, we need to maintain our capitalistic point of view, which is what Joe Biden brings. He still brings the capitalist point of view. And for those of you who heard Donald Trump say that he's a socialist, all you need to do is look and see the types of policies and the types of efforts that were created when he was vice president under Barack Obama. Anyway, so getting back to Georgia, uh, Stacey Adams, as you know, uh, has been really pushing hard to get the African-American vote as well as the Latino vote to support uh, Joe Biden and strengthen, quite frankly, Georgia as a potential blue state or Democrat state. Uh, Abrams ran for governor in 2018 and uh, was uh, just narrowly uh, beat. And uh, she created an organization that she called Fair Fight. And using this group, this organization, she has managed to register uh, uh, just, you know, hundreds of dozens of, of African-American and Latino voters across Georgia. Uh, she has $40 million that, uh, that uh, was used to create the proper infrastructure in Georgia uh, to be able to create this massive organization. And, uh, and Latino voters in Georgia are, they know, she knows, that are an essential part of the coalition that, that she's been coordinating or creating for Joe Biden. And this makes a lot of sense because, quite frankly, there are 32 million eligible Latino voters in the U.S. Uh, we are 19% uh, of the U.S. population. That means that one in five people living in the U.S. is Latino. So uh, the total number of, of, uh, of registered Latino voters uh, has impacted this election without a doubt. And yes, there were a lot of uh, Latinos who voted for Donald Trump. It's estimated that approximately 27% uh, of registered Latino voters voted for Donald Trump. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, walked away with with the, 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 the total prize at about 70%. Uh, and let me tell you, uh, this election is going to be analyzed. It's going to be reanalyzed. Uh, we have major schools like UCLA and uh, as well as uh, data gathering organizations like Latino Decisions who are going to be analyzing this. We're going to be we're going to be carving this thing inside and out. And as all this information comes out, I will be sharing it with you on future episodes of Coast to Coast Latino. Today is November 11th. It is Veterans Day. And Latinos have been involved in U.S. military since the American Revolution. Latinos have been uh, active in ensuring the freedoms that we currently experience here in the United States. Uh, by protecting and defending 
the American dream. There are currently approximately 12% of all veterans in the United States. Yes, Latinos are 12% of all veterans in the United States. And there is an organization called the American GI Forum, which was established in the uh, late 1940s, primarily to address the discrimination that veterans were experiencing from the Department of Defense. Uh, specifically, it started with the denial of uh, the American uh, 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 GI Bill, which uh, would cover the education of, uh, of veterans. And the GI Bill all of a sudden didn't apply to uh, Mexican-American veterans. And as a result, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Hector P. Garcia. Yes, he was a physician. Dr. Hector P. Garcia started a civil rights movement to begin to address this with the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, Department of Defense. But what really galvanized the whole civil rights movement of Mexican-Americans in the late 1940s was the denial of a serviceman that was killed in action in World War II to have funeral services at a morgue in Texas. The, uh, the soldier's name was Felix Z. Longoria. And for those of you that are not familiar with the uh, Longoria affair, I recommend you become familiar with it because it's a very powerful and important piece to understand two things. The active involvement of Latinos in the civil rights movement back in the 1940s. And the other is the reason why Mainly Latinos today are registered Democrats. You have to learn the American GI Forum story. You have to know more about Dr. Hector P. Garcia and uh, the relationship that they had with then-Senator Lyndon Baines Johnson, who eventually became President of the United States after John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And that entire relationship and the battles of Mexican-Americans in civil rights way before, yes, way before the Afri African-American battles in civil rights. And let me tell you folks, if you don't become familiar with this, you don't know your history. And if you don't know your history, you don't know what you're battling for. You have to understand your history. You have to look back, look at all the active things that our community has done in the area of civil rights. And uh, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed just how long. But the thing is, is that the American GI Forum has been there. The American GI Forum continues to exist today. And today we need to honor all those veterans, Latino veterans, whether it's from uh, uh, the American uh, Civil War, 
uh, to the, the current war in the Middle East. We need to recognize our veterans, support our veterans, and do things for our veterans. Uh, the city of El Paso has a memorial recognizing what are called the, uh, the, uh, the uh, toughest Chicanos ever to fight in war, and that's Company E out of El Paso, Texas. It's a group of Chicanos that were in their 16, 17, 18 years of age who went to battle in Europe during World War II. And uh, there are some incredible stories, some amazing stories that come out of that. Then there's the uh, in involvement of, uh, of the U.S. in the Pacific War after uh, the U.S. declared war against Japan. And we have some incredible stories about heroics that Latinos were involved in, including the capture of uh, just dozens and dozens of Japanese soldiers. Uh, but again, you need to become familiar with this. I recommend if you want to know more about uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Hector P. Garcia, uh, just Google his name and you'll find dozens of stories there. Uh, Google American GI Forum and you'll find even more st uh, uh, incredible stories there. And if you go to Company E, just Google Company E out of El Paso, Texas, and uh, you'll find some incredible and wonderful stories and inspirational because a lot of these stories are extremely inspirational. It shows just how important America has become to all of us that are Latinos. Uh, jumping on to uh, some uh, additional Latino news, the movie that premiered at Sundance uh, uh, Film Festival, La Leyenda Negra, which was written and produced and uh, filmed by uh, Patricia Vidal Delgado, has been purchased by HBO. It'll be uh, it'll be shown on December fourth on HBO Latino, and of course will also be available to stream on HBO Max. Uh, it is a story about a an uh, El Salvadorian immigrant, a young girl who transfers to uh, Compton High School, and she struggles to make friends. And as she grows up. She gets more involved in the underground activism uh, it, because she wants her voice to be heard. And of course, everything gets thrown into a limbo when all of a sudden the federal government recognizes what she's doing and they come trying to chase her down. Uh, it is a very powerful story. If you get a chance, check it out December 4th on HBO Latino. And it's also available to stream on HBO Max. The National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials, NALEO, is uh, pushing Joe Biden, who is the president-elect, to appoint at least five cabinet-level members that are Latino. And uh, this is according to the Washington Times. It also says that they're pushing that uh, 
that Biden include uh, a Hispanic quota in the 4,000 plus positions that Joe Biden will be appointing. So the push is already on. It's critical, I think, that Joe Biden respond to the request, considering the fact that, without a doubt, it was Latinos who put him in office, and it's only right that we see some kind of, uh, of a generous uh, appreciation on his part. And as many of you are aware, California once belonged to Mexico. In 1850, it became part of the United States of America. Since 1850, it has never had a Latino as a U.S. Senator. And now with uh, Senator Kamala Harris becoming Vice President-elect, and she was State Senator for uh, representing California, the pressure is on for Governor Gavin Newsom to appoint a Latino or Latina to replace Kamala Harris. And the pressure is extremely sincere. The options that, uh, that uh, Newsom has are extremely vast, mostly with Latinos. For example, he has the choice of selecting current Secretary of State Alex Padilla. He has the potential of selecting his Attorney General, Javier Becerra. He also has the opportunity to appoint Ricardo Lara, who is Insurance Commissioner. If he were to appoint Ricardo Lara, he would not only be the first Latino U.S. Senator, but he would also be the first uh, gay U.S. Senator from California. Uh, so the pressures are mounting. He has to respond. He has to look at who he should appoint. And uh, by the way, the Asian community is also pushing hard for him to appoint an Asian uh, to replace Kamala Harris. It's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what Gavin Newsom does. He has a couple of months to make that decision, and I'm sure he'll make it soon. Well, that's our podcast for this Wednesday. I want to thank you for joining us here at Coast to Coast Latino. We also invite you to join us on our Facebook group, Coast to Coast Latino Facebook group. Uh, we update it daily with all the news about Latinos regarding Latinos from across the U.S. In addition to that, we invite you to visit our website at coasttocoastlatino.com. If you want to provide us feedback, by all means do so. Write to us at latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. That's latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. We will be back with you on this Friday, so be sure to stay tuned. And again, thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, stay safe, wear a mask, wash your hands, avoid the COVID. <laughs>